0: If you're a qualified fitness professional, studying to be a fitness professional, sector or industry educator, or generally have an interest in the areas of health, fitness and wellbeing, then this, the Active IQ podcast is well worth tuning into. We're the leading awarding organisation for the physical activity sector, keen to explore and share topical content via discussion, conversation, debate and Q&A shows, all with great guests and industry experts. This ensures that we give you, the listener, key insights into all things related to health, exercise, nutrition, mindset, and performance. So please like, share, and subscribe if you find the content of interest, and be sure to check out our website at www.activeiq.co.uk. So welcome along to this uh, podcast, the next one in our series, when today we'll be looking at body image and how can fitness professionals be part of the actual solution and issues which are occurring around body image, particularly in the health, fitness and well-being sector. So I'm really excited to be joined today on the line by Phil Wright. He's a fitness professional, an owner and lead coach of P13, an online athletic and coaching program and a regular expert contributor to our Skills Hub content. So welcome along, Phil. How are you today?
1: Um, Very well, James. Thank you for asking me to be part of the podcast. Uh, Really looking forward to uh, to, to exploring the, the subject. Um, with you but uh, I'm very well. Hope, hope you're well too.
0: Yeah I'm fine thanks and it's uh, yeah, great to have you on the line and joining us. So before well, we get started on the, today's topic around body image it'd be great if you could just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your own personal journey in the field of health fitness um, and nutrition if, if you wouldn't mind doing that.
1: Yeah I, absolutely. So, um, so I've, I've now been in this industry for about 13 years um, I think, like many people, I've come into it on a passion, on a passion for health uh, and well-being and fitness and, and helping other people become, I suppose, passionate about it as well and, and everything that it can do. Um, before that, I was in the military, um, so I suppose whilst I, I didn't know at the time that I was going to end up in this sector, just the, the physical nature of the military's kind of pushes uh, certainly makes. Fitness part of your life, yeah. um, and that sort of really sparked the sparked the fire for me. Um, within the 13 years, I started out as a, a PT, um, and and probably to my surprise, because it was pretty daunting at the start going into that big corporate gym with lots of other PTs. It being pretty cutthroat, but um, but actually to my surprise, it went pretty well, um, and uh, I was able to grow a. a a decent client base and, and from that that's kind of led me down a really interesting roller coaster of a journey I've I've sort of mentored and managed other PTs um, I set up a training academy and then in more recent years set up a large personal training gym in Leeds um, and as you mentioned just then more recently I've been working with um, awarding organizations and doing a little bit of consultancy within the fitness industry. So it's been quite, sort of. although I've been in it for a while, it's also been quite fast and furious and I've been really fortunate with the opportunities that I've had.
0: Great, fantastic. And obviously just kind of to let our listeners know about you know, how we got to this point and this topic. And it all came about from a blog post, which I'd seen you write. And we've now launched that, or we're about to launch it on our own Skills Hub platform around body wow, image and, and how you've actually over, over time managed to speak and interview people who've had issues with body image as a result of their kind of interaction with the fitness industry and hence why we asked you to join us for this podcast today so that will be actually launched or released with this podcast so people will be able to read that blog post and also have listened to this this podcast as well so fantastic so yeah so that'll be um, great for for listeners to actually access so just again and also you know thanks for giving us a bit of background about yourself and You know, my my background, people may or may not know, um, I I actually worked in clinical exercise in part of my previous career and actually worked in an eating disorder unit. So I can bring some of that information into this topic as well because I've seen some quite worrying and, and horrific kind of cases over the years. But... Yeah, I mean, before we get started, then, probably best to have a look at how this relates to the broader picture, probably of mental health, in terms of just digging around some statistics around body image, really. So obviously, we've had Mental Health Awareness Week last month, and the Mental Health Foundation actually released a piece of research around body image and... How we actually think and feel about our bodies was the actual title of it. And I just wanted to kind of share some stats with our listeners around what what people's thoughts and feelings are on their own body image. So the Mental Health Foundation actually interviewed 4,500 or just over 4,500 adults and 1,118, I believe my memory serves me well, um, teenagers. So they, teenagers were classed as 13 to 19-year-olds, adults 18-plus. So there's a bit of overlap between those two categories at the interview, but some of the, some of the yeah. statistics were really, really shocking. For instance, one in five adults feel shame about their body image. One in three actually feel down or low. So that's about 34% they, they reckoned about their body image. Some even felt absolutely disgusted. One in five are actually cited as, as saying that. And and the most worrying statistic really is that one in eight people actually felt suicidal as a result of their yeah. their views and feelings of their own body image. And then when we look at teenagers, that was adults, and when we look at teenagers, you've got about a third of teenagers feeling at least upset, if not ashamed about their body image. And forty percent of these teenagers actually apply or um allocate or attribute these feelings of worry, stress, upset. About their body image to social media um, and obviously you know we can't get away from it social media has a huge part to play for better or for worse you know in our sector yeah. whether that's marketing advertising etc but it, there's ultimately the negative sides we typically hear about it, about bullying etc and then there is this undertone of body image shaming which which occurs and that's really really worrying and i uh, just wondered what your thoughts were in terms of if we've got teenagers who are feeling like this and adults, obviously, are feeling like this as well. A lot of people will often look to the fitness industry in some way, shape or form to try and combat these. But how, how do you feel we actually cope and manage as an industry with tackling and dealing with these kind of statistics around body image? Just wonder what your thoughts were.
1: Um, well, I, I think uh, without being overly critical, I think we are starting to recognise our wider responsibilities um, in this area specifically. In more recent times, and I know Active IQ have launched the mental health qualification and I think that, that's hopefully the start of more to come in terms of being able to upskill ourselves as fitness professionals in this sector because um, I, I think as you alluded to within the statistics, I mean, you know, they're, they're just shocking. They really are. And as a, as a parent, as a dad of two young girls to to sort of think about that as a dad and, and how the how likely either one if not both of those are are gonna be impacted by the culture and social media and, and everything relating to that. It's just it's it's scary. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the really difficult things and perhaps confusing things is that as we've almost kind of touched upon um Images alone are are very much used to model what health and fitness is, but actually a picture or an image of someone isn't in any way, shape, or form an accurate reflection of health and fitness. And it can be really misleading, and it can create the wrong type of picture or understanding in the consumer's mind as to what being healthy is or what being fit is. It can sort of lead to a bit of an obsession, and I think um, I think we're starting to recognise that. Um, but in the same token, we have in the past uh, been guilty of using striking images to to ultimately sell to be commercial, um, and I, I think we've got a real responsibility. And these statistics just you know just hammer home that point of how important it is i mean to consider that one in eight adults feel suicidal on on you know on body image is just you know it's one thing to to want to sell a service or a product but for it to potentially uh, you know lead to someone feeling like life isn't worth living then i think you know we really have to well, whilst we are not completely responsible, we do have a part to play in in educating and communication that we put out. So I think um, it's just such a big, big topic. Um, yeah, and I, I think the only way we can tackle it is a is a bit of a, a united front and and all of us taking responsibility. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. I mean, you may may not recall, so there was the, obviously the quite publicised case where Mayor Sadiq Khan in London looked to and and was successful in removing adverts that were promoting body transformation related products so I think it was the beach are you beach body ready and that was when he first came into office and you know, whatever your thoughts are on that, if, if people, you know, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people traveling on the tube each day in London, confronted with these images, it just becomes part and parcel of your daily move around and your, your daily working life, whereby we're bombarded with these images. And obviously they're quite yeah. a big influence on on people's perception of body image. but. It, from your perspective, what what do you feel are the the main influences on on our perception of body imagery, um, particularly from the fitness industry? From your own experience, what what do you put it down to in terms of how people kind of feel and gauge how how their bodies are in relation to these kind of fitness models that we're always bombarded with?
1: I, I think um, I, I think ultimately it's about messaging um, and and pictures of. Fitness models or bodybuilders is is part of that, um, and it's a way in which we put the idea in the mind of the consumer as to as to what they should be aspiring towards. Um, but it's not everything. So pictures are part of it, and and one of the other things which perhaps doesn't necessarily link directly with body image alone, but I think it does have a part to play is is the wording that that we actually use as well. Um, so. Uh, without sort of naming organisations, I think just looking at the way we we sort of strongly use messaging to draw people into gyms, obviously with positive intention because we want people to lead fitter and healthier and happier lives. Um, but some of the messaging that is widely and commonly used is more active, more often. Now, there's clearly positive intention behind that, and I think for most people that is that absolutely applies but at the same time it also implies without saying it directly that what is being done now is not sufficient so i think we're in danger of kind of without saying it directly it's it's sometimes about what we're not saying as much as we are as much as what we are actually saying because if we just constantly lead with aspire to or to look like this or be more active more often there's always a point whereby actually it would be counterproductive to be more active you know if you take someone who actually goes to the gym or, or partakes in exercise regularly and consistently um, then it's quite easy and we all know this is, as fitness professionals for them to sort of step in towards overtraining and and actually the benefits start to Start to go in the opposite direction, and people start to suffer as a consequence, and that again leads to a, perhaps a negative relationship um, between someone and their body, or someone and exercise, and how they're using exercise as a vehicle. So, I think images are, are one thing, but it's also the wording, the messaging, the communication that we that we use, um, you know, on a on a broader and a wider scale, and and i think it's just something that we have to be really mindful of and take absolute responsibility over i'm, I'm not sure if i've gone off on a bit of a tangent there Jen, but um but uh, yeah i think i think you know it's it's just uh, it's such a big topic and um and i think also we are a young industry and we we're, we're learning as we're going
0: i think that's um, often forgotten and,
1: yes and and um, and and also everything evolves so quickly that we're always or, or very often it does feel like we're chasing our tail and um, and as you've said you know social media has, has become such a, a monstrously big vehicle for how uh, for how we again communicate connect with support the people that we're trying to coach and assist and but also how we market our products and services um, and, you know, as, as you said, I think one of the statistics you said there, 40% of teenagers say social media has caused them to worry about their body image, um, you know, and, the, and therefore, you know, it's just, it's such a big, a big vehicle. Um, yeah, it's a it's, it's really difficult one, but I think what we have to really focus on and prioritize is one acknowledging our own role and taking responsibility for for how we're using images and and what we're saying and also what we're not saying um but uh i've lost my train of thought there but um but but at the same time um i think think, it's sorry
0: no i was just going to say you know a point you made earlier about overdoing it what's almost regarded as an overdose of activity and that that can be quite often be the case particularly with people who are new to exercise who've jumping in at the deep end almost and overdoing it and then they have this negative kind of experience and association with physical activity like you said doing more all the time is not necessarily the way to go it is about having realistic expectations and and managing that and also actually this is where PTs really come into their own is having some sort of structured yeah. program that that can be followed, can be managed, and is yeah. tracked, and to keep people who want to change their lives for the better on in on yeah. the straight and narrow, um, and giving them yeah. realistic advice and guidance, which is which is really really important.
1: Yeah, and that and, and a, sort when I had that sort of moment momentary uh, mind lapse there, that links in with exactly what I was going to say. One acknowledging our responses um but to educating people and giving them as you've said that and it hits the nail on the head realistic expectations and I think when I wrote that blog that you that you mentioned and if if anyone's listening um you know I, w- I would love I would love you to take a look at it and I found it really fascinating um so I hooked up with a few people who have done fitness modeling or bodybuilding before to get just an an open and an honest um, and a non-biased and candid, I I suppose, insight into how it was, you know, to to kind of get into that shape. Because I think if we're looking at images specifically, the the way in which they're presented is that, you know, fitness models are used in marketing for products and services, um, and it's kind of, that is projected as the ideal it's the the look and the physique to aspire towards and almost given as the answer to happiness you know as as you've said there, people are just looking to uh lead better lives better quality lives and if an image is used as the answer um and and the solution to just being completely content with yourself in your skin um then then actually um the images can be misleading because what I found when speaking to people was that um, it was quite the opposite. You know, whilst we may perceive uh, some of the images to be, you know, uh, hugely aspirational, what I found was that when people were in that state, when they prepared their body through rigorous training programs and restrictive diet, then actually... They they felt horrible, um, and um, and you know I think just to to quote um, a couple of uh, a couple of people, you know, um, Ali Williams was one of the the ladies who very kindly gave me an insight into her experience, and she said mentally it didn't serve her well at all. Um, she dropped body fat to it to a, about twelve percent body fat, uh, which is which is low for a female, um, and even though she was at such a low body fat percentage, she felt obese, she hated herself, um, she she became hugely obsessive and you know, it led to a real state of, of disordered eating and body dysmorphia, yeah. um, so so I think that, you know, clearly, whilst that is just one case, um, there was a real pattern emerging of the four people that I interviewed um, and, of course, what I don't want to do is just cast a really a completely negative brush of, uh, of a focusing on aesthetic goals because I think if people are educated well enough and they've got a, an honest um, and uh, a, a realistic expectation of, of what it takes to look a certain way and also, perhaps more importantly, how to safely kind of reverse that training um because it is quite extreme to get to certain points then I think people are in a, a well-placed decision to make to make a choice for themselves yeah. um, but I think if people go into into those types of goals and and really pushing themselves to look a certain way without the information then that's where the problem begins because people don't fully understand what they're doing um, and they often end up you know almost less happy <laughs> than yeah. they were previously um yeah.
0: i mean it's interesting i think there's four people that you interviewed wasn't it for your your blog and yeah. three yeah. of those four so three quarters of them one of the biggest things which they mentioned is that their, their social lives didn't just suffer but became non-existent they had to kind of almost withdraw themselves from their their social groups and yeah. as a result of not being able to go out and enjoy time with friends for a meal or something to drink and going everywhere with the Tupperware tubs in, in tow and all their meals planned out, which is, you know, if you are a fitness model and that's your working that's your job, that's yeah. where you're earning your, your next bit of income from to pay the bills. Yeah. That is that's the kind of sacrifice and commitment that a lot of these these people have to make. But like you say, that that impact on mental, physical, well being, isolation almost I guess you could call yeah. it. And it's not sustainable indefinitely. It is this kind of almost yo-yo cyclic and with, with great coaches and great trainers, then yes, you can manage that process very well coming in and out of those required photo shoots and everything else. But it, yeah. it's, it's a huge demand, huge ask. And I think often we don't really realize what goes on behind getting in that kind of shape for those, those photo shoots and how much of it actually is Clever lighting. And even if Photoshop isn't is, you know, is <laughs> yeah. used, lighting is a huge, yeah. huge part of the process to, to acquiring images such as the ones we see yeah. in, in popular publications around the health and fitness sector. So, yeah, really, really interesting yeah. to see that and, and kind of read that in that blog about their, their experiences. In terms of those people you interviewed then as well, how many of them are, are still engaged in in that kind of area of work now? Or have most of them seen the yeah, negative no, they, side of it?
1: They, they, they are. So, um, so um, all four of them are also fitness professionals. So that was more a coincidence. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they are. Um, however, out three of the four, um, and I, I know them quite well. Uh, very honestly, sort of still have. M- mental issues um that were sort of born from pushing themselves to, to really drive an aesthetic goal yeah. um and so you know but at the same time they've also used that as a positive because that's given them an experience to help people as a fit as a fitness professional they've got that first-hand experience of having done it themselves and they they recognize uh, they recognize it and they're able to really draw upon that experience and i uh, I personally think ultimately probably be a better coach as a result of that because they're able to recognise certain things um, and perhaps observations that they see going on with the people they're trying to help um, and and use it positively.
0: Yeah. And like I said before, people should have a read of it because I think it's it's got some quite useful and valuable insight into how, how people are actually working in this kind of fitness model bodybuilding environment world whatever you want to call it how tough it yeah. can actually be you know i think i think most yeah. people do appreciate that it is a ultimately a, a very challenging lifestyle but it's great to see those insights from from people firsthand so yeah really really yeah useful. And
1: that's, I, I think um I, you know i, I think as, as fitness professionals obviously we want to help more people and i think we're we're genuine about that i think Pretty much everyone I've ever met who works in this industry is passionate about it and, and helping people. Um, and I think we've just got to be mindful of uh, sort of how, how we put messages across. You know, often people are looking for a transformation, and in some cases, that can be a really huge transformation. Now, you know, to market what we do and how we can help people. The easiest and simplest way is to show evidence of that, and social proofs using things like before and after pictures are fantastic. Um, but I, but I also think we what we perhaps should be considering is just um, is is not purely obsessing on image alone. Is yeah. really helps because let's face it, you know, whilst we've got an aging population, you know, we all we're all. Non-immune to to edge, um, you know. If we're looking purely at body shape and and body composition, then you cannot defy uh, time, <laughs> and we all get old. And and as a result of that, our bodies probably retain more body fat, um, and 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 that's fine. And it uh, you know it doesn't need to be a big problem. And I think we just need to manage expectations better so that people aren't trying to as they get older or as their life changes or as they have greater responsibilities or perhaps become parents, um, you know, but we don't encourage people to try and remain at 18 or the age of 18 for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, You know, people should embrace the different phases of life and changes. And whilst obviously we want to encourage people to achieve their goals and if that is a transformation and a drastic transformation, then brilliant. And that can really help that individual become more confident. But I think we've just got to continue to educate as well, um, to manage those expectations well and, and be able to recognise, um, you know, uh, perhaps some of the warning signs when when things aren't going quite so well.
0: Yeah. I mean, and on that note, you know, around kind of the advertising, and marketing of services, I was funny enough talking to someone I know who actually owns a, a gym the other day and they've actually switched all of their imagery. So all their corporate imagery, website images, everything on their flyers and other kind of media and social media is all rather than using stock photos. They have a photographer, so someone that's on retainer yeah. that just comes in regularly and, and takes realistic images of the facility real people working out there real people socializing having fun etc and and it, the website the before and after looks completely different and yeah i think that's there's something in that about making it real something that's tangible something that's the real world that we live in rather than aspiring to be
1: this almost hollywood actor actress yeah. type A- it's, absolutely i you know, I think you've, you've sort of alluded to a really good point there. And I think, firstly, that is fantastic to hear. And I absolutely love, you know, hearing that the facilities and the owners of facilities are, are sort of taking a stance and just being completely genuine and authentic. Yeah. And I think, actually, you know, you've, you've mentioned there um, the real transformation that people are looking for. People are looking um, and it is. And the, the great thing about this is this transformation is sustainable you know people can't sustain a particular look or a physique forever that's just impossible it's a physiological impossibility and i think we we kind of have to move on from that but what people can sustain is a a state whereby they enjoy being active they enjoy exercise and and that's going to evolve and what that looks like is going to change over time but it is possible to to be at a in, in a you know in a, a sort of a better position, whereby it's just part of your life and you and you enjoy it and it's fun. And I I think that transformation and perhaps using that um and and messaging more with with that is perhaps going to help people aspire towards something like that as opposed as opposed to obsessing over image alone. Yeah, definitely.
0: And I and I think you know just from my own observations over the years working in this industry, I'd actually say that the, the kind of public facilities have been much better at that kind of messaging and branding than, say, the yeah. private facilities. But I'm starting to see more and more, or, or should I say, less and less stock imagery being used um, at facilities, which, yeah, is, is a great thing. Really, really positive, in my opinion so
1: completely yeah so
0: in terms of what needs changing in our industry we've touched on some of that and kind of along those lines really from your perspective how can people themselves take um, action to be to be more resilient around you know how they perceive their own body image is, is there anything from your experience we working with clients that you've you've seen them do or you've helped them to do as part of that coaching process and journey that enables them to move beyond body image and it not be the be all and end all so to speak
1: yeah um i, I think firstly uh, i've just got to acknowledge and recognize that it, it's hard not to be you know I am a human. We are all humans. When you see a picture of someone of the same gender, perhaps roughly of a similar age, um, you know, we are guilty of just making immediate judgments and, and assessing things. When I when I see someone who's in great shape, immediately there's a part of me that kind of, I, I would love to look like that. I would love to be able to do that. So I, I think it is is difficult and it, it takes... Um, you know, I, I don't think it's something that people can just do immediately. But I think, firstly, in a in a step towards becoming more resilient towards um, images that, are, as you said, you know, when you're on the the tube, you know, they're in your face multiple times every single day. I think the first thing to to kind of just put into your mind is that we have no idea of how that person actually felt when that photograph was taken. Yeah. Um, or, and as you've said, whether or not Photoshop was used. So, so really, you know, it could be fake. It could be, um, you know, it could not represent the, the what it's trying to sort of, um, project. And so I think, I think that's the first thing. Um, and the second thing, if I'm not sure if I'm allowed to jump onto a second point, I think no, I think to um, not not exclusively set goals that are image related. So I think obviously, you know, it, it's absolutely true that pictures, before and after pictures, can be really useful um, to see change um, uh, and to and to show progress. When sometimes the scales don't do it, if someone has. a a body shape-related goal and perhaps they're looking to lose a few pounds or lose some body fat or or whatever, um, sometimes the scales won't show a difference despite there being a significant change. And a photograph can be very, um, very strong in in giving that evidence to say, well, actually, even though the scales are showing pretty much the same, um, there's there's a lot of change. But I think setting personal goals that are not just image-related is important because um, you know, we, our how we assess images is is largely um, connected to our emotional state. And um, what I'm not saying is that you can't trust your emotions. No. Um, but our emotions change multiple times daily. So if you're in a good or, or bad mood, that's going to impact how you actually see what you see. Um, so I think image-related goals can be can be dangerous. Um, and I think also. They're they're not the most empowering goals ever because what we're doing is we're aspiring to look a certain way, and and we're also opening ourselves up to the opinion of others. Um, and I think that can be a really dangerous place to be. Um, so 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 I would say that is don't focus on image goals exclusively or image related goals exclusively. Try and set wider goals.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting that, you know, I've done I've done a few podcasts recently and everything seems to keep coming back to, to goals and goal setting. And I've, when I was a tutor, it was the thing which I always drove home about how important it is to get that goal setting process, aspirations, yeah. objectives, targets, whatever you want to call them, making sure that they're really well formed and that they they actually do drive the program in the right direction. And it's often, yeah. unfortunately, it's that part of the, the programming process or the the PT or instructing process that goes down the wrong path yeah. or isn't quite supportive or descriptive enough to enable people to, to focus on the right things and steer clear of the things which are potentially negative or, or can be quite demotivating. So I think yeah. what we'll probably do is do another podcast um, in, at some point around goal setting and its importance, because I know, again, from my experience of around quality assurance as well, goal setting tends to be a thing which training providers often comment on that they, they kind of struggle to impart onto learners and get them to actually understand and grasp it in, in a way that yeah. they can just go and use it as a their fundamental tool that they have in their kit. Yeah. So I think that'd be really an important one to cover in, in a oh, future uh, podcast.
1: I think I think so you know it's, it's absolutely vital that goal setting is is done is done well and properly and in really individualized you know it's, some people are not very good at setting goals, so I think we've got to be willing to challenge people on goals and really try and unpack what goals are, what they mean to that person, why they're important. sometimes that can be done quite quickly sometimes it can take a period of time to actually get there to really yep. help set those goals. So I think we've got to be quite versatile and agile of the way that we work and the way that we set goals with people and not just have a single approach to goal setting. It's kind of understand the individual um, and work with them in a way that, that is effective to, to kind of setting those goals. And and also keep goal setting as a, a continual part of, of the work that we do with people because things can change you know um uh life can change commitments can change and that can uh re you know we have to reprioritize and and reflect and and look at those so yeah uh, i think just such a such as you said it could easily be a a, a really lengthy discussion in itself okay
0: so just if i if i can move on to just talk about it's kind of linked to what we've just discussed, really. But obviously, you've got your own coaching business. Um, you train some clients face to face, but also yeah. have a large community that you you coach online. And I just wondered, yeah. do any of these kind of body images, how do you deal with them through an online coaching process? If yeah. you come across that being an issue or have you got any kind um, of thing you can share with with listeners about if they are working in that kind of line of business with a more online focus, how they can manage these kind of body image issues if should they arise
1: yeah yeah I think uh, well you know I, I'll be the first to admit that um, because really I when I first came into this industry it was all face-to-face delivery and in more recent years whilst I still see some clients um, on a regular basis uh, I'm also working with more remotely um, so and and there is a difference you know it is harder it does require perhaps more communication but but on the flip side i would say that working remotely has helped me become a better coach because i'm 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 i found that i'm looking at the broader aspects of health and fitness um and i'm able to use sort of technology to help get a, a better picture whereas in the early days of being a personal trainer i'm i must say you know i was very guilty of purely focusing on the exercise bit (laughs) <laughs> and that's a one small part of the jigsaw. Um, I, th- I think it's it's difficult. Um, it links very much with what we've just said. My approach from a remote perspective, working online as a coach, is um, is taking people through a process of of goal setting and and what I try to do is give them full ownership over the of the journey um, and just ask challenging questions. Um, and I suppose I'm a bit like a, a, a bulldog, a bit like a pit bull. I won't, as I said, I don't think everyone, and, and I'm probably the same, I don't think everyone's great at setting goals for themselves. Perhaps that's as a result of personal experience. Perhaps that's a result of low self-esteem or low confidence. Many people who I've come to work with um, don't believe that they're able to achieve certain things um, and that can impact on how the, how they're able to set goals for themselves um, because if they don't believe it's possible, then they're not going to perhaps stretch themselves quite as much. So so I, I try to take people through a process of, of challenging them um, and not just accepting what they're telling me as being their goal when they first kind of try to articulate what their goal is. Um, I, it's a difficult one because, it's very different between one person and another as to kind of how um, how we get to a, a point where as a coach and as a person um, going through that journey, um, you come to an agreement on, on goals. But uh, but I think certainly the most important thing is to kind of understand their motivation because that can sometimes be a key um as to, as to why they're doing it and how it's going to impact their life. And, and as a result of that, sometimes goals can change by simply asking those questions of what does it mean to you? You know, how would you feel if you were to achieve this? Um, yeah. You know, really kind of understand their, their why.
0: I mean that that's very really useful and hopefully people who listen to this will if they've not thought about the kind of impact of body image, etc. before, then hopefully this will encourage them to do so. So I guess I know your time's precious, Phil, so um we, we probably need to wrap this up. But I just wanna finish up really this this particular podcast by first of all just Thanking you for your time. Really, really useful and and great to get your insight and also explore the content of that blog post that you gave us permission to release. So I would advise that people actually go and read that. We'll link it in this podcast. And I I guess for people to comment, if they want to discuss this topic further, ask questions, then please do feel free to do so. Feel Phil, myself, I'd be happy to, to kind of come back to you and continue this discussion. And maybe if you want another podcast that looks at specific areas in relation to this topic, then do let us know and we can always get that sorted and arrange that. And also just to really give our listeners some directions where to go to look at other reputable resources around body image. So I'll put some links in the description to this podcast as well, but just quickly... Brilliant. Things like the Be Real campaign, which was launched in 2014, still going strong. There's also taking action on body image. That's a toolkit released by the National Citizen Service. So if you're a leader, youth worker, coach, etc., and you want to look at some tools to work with in terms of body image, if you have um, clients or people you work with who might be experiencing issues in that area, well worth looking at. And like I said, the most probably recent up to date information for the UK particularly whilst not fitness industry specific is more about the more general population is the mental health foundation body image report that was released this year so like i said i'll put the links in in the bottom of this podcast so probably time to wrap up is there anything else you want to add before we we wrap up phil in terms of no i
1: i, I don't think so i mean i, I think uh, just one thing is, you know in ultimately as fitness professionals we are role models yeah. um And it's, you know, it's one of the best ways to to role model is to kind of live the talk. It's to walk the walk and walk the talk. And I I think, you know, because ultimately as as role models, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we're probably our own worst enemies in terms of creating that very internal um, and and self-built pressure. I I think one of the biggest things is that from my experience is to just not put a huge amount of pressure on your own shoulders to kind of constantly be perceived as the perfect model of health and fitness is just try to be comfortable with you know normality whatever normality is to you um and and just not feel like you constantly have to have to be doing everything perfectly and walking the tightrope. You know, I think we're all we're all human, um, and uh, and I think uh, uh, allowing ourselves to just indulge or just you know do things that perhaps wouldn't necessarily come into our top three tips for being healthy and fit. Yeah. And that, that's okay, and that and that and that's not a bad thing. Um, and I think if people look at ourselves as role models and us embracing that uh, i think that can be really positive as well in helping people you know get closer to to a state of contentment in their own skin and and being more comfortable in themselves and and less you know towards the statistics that you started this podcast with um i think that that would be it (laughs)
0: excellent Well, thanks again for your time, Phil. It's been really great talking to you and hopefully people will enjoy reading your blog and listening to this podcast. And we'll catch up again soon for another installment of our podcast series. So listeners do keep an eye on our social media channels to look at when they'll be released. So thanks again, Phil, for your time. Hope you have a great rest of your day
1: and I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, Gem. Thank you.